0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. Yes, indeed, here on this hot weekend, holiday weekend, and a lot of gardeners are going to be, well, maybe taking lots of breaks in between uh, the watering and et cetera. Uh, Mary Meyer is back with us. Mary, good to see you again. It great has been ages. Be
1: I know, months. And, uh, it's uh, been several months. It's great to be here, Danny. I've missed uh, talking with you and talking well, we, with the gardeners.
0: We've missed you too, but you you were gone for a pretty good reason. You were on. Well, on you were still doing work leave. though.
1: Yes, I was doing work on a research project with one of the native grasses, prairie dropseed. And that was a lot of fun. I, I really, I had a lot of fun doing that. So I was here in the Twin Cities most of the time. Oh, you were. I did, I collected grass seed last fall, and then I did six different uh, experiments. This this winter in the greenhouse with prairie drop seed. So So if anybody
0: today has any questions about (laughs) grass seed, you're ready for it.
1: I'm ready for it. Any any kind of grass seed. I like grass. Uh, I do the native grass uh, research at the university. We have a wonderful collection at the Arboretum, and that's just starting to grow. But, um, yes, I've missed being here. So it's good to be back. It
0: is, and we're going to put you to work in a moment. But I I learned something I did not know before, that— The American Horticultural Society Teaching Award was given to you, and uh, you didn't know I was going to do this. No, I didn't. This is given to an individual whose ability to share his or her horticultural knowledge with others has contributed to a better public understanding of the plant world and its important influence in society, first awarded back in 1953. Let me tell folks who maybe are new to the show, they thought, Mary Meyer.
1: Who the heck is she? Who is she?
0: Well, I'll tell you. As a professor and extension horticulturalist at the U of M, Mary develops, coordinates statewide multimedia educational programs in environmental and consumer horticulture. And in addition to her teaching duties, she is the director of graduate studies for the master's in professional studies with a concentration in horticulture program. She also coordinates academic and internship programs at the university's arboretum and is the extension program leader. Now, from... 1994 to 2007. This is getting me tired. It's been a long time. <laughs> People are probably Mary. asleep listening. No, no, no. This. Mary was the director of the university's Extension Master Gardener program, where she established statewide academic standards. She also developed the online Master Gardener class. In 2013 and 14, Mary co chaired the uh, steering committee that founded Seed Your Future, a national movement to promote horticulture education and Careers to Youth, which is a great idea. But congratulations on the award, Mary.
1: Thank you, Denny. I am very honored to receive this. And thanks go to the students that really wrote the nomination letters. The students that I've taught, so that's wonderful. Well, as they say, well-deserved. Thank you.
0: And now you're back here putting you to work.
1: (laughs) Right. Talking about gardening, which we all love, especially in the spring. Everybody's got their list of projects.
0: Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the heat. First of all, before we do that, Mary, let's uh, let's invite our listeners to join in either on the phone or text. They're already coming in on the text line and the phones for that matter. 651-989-9226. Don't wait now. If you have a lawn or garden question, you know we tend to get really busy. 651-989-9226, or if it's easier, uh, 81807, 81807. Any suggestions, Mary, about this heat and what we can do with uh, our outdoor friends?
1: Well, the most important thing is keep newly planted plants well-watered, especially young things like uh, transplants in the vegetable garden, tomatoes, peppers, cabbage, any young transplants that you put out really have a very um, new root system, limited root system. So make sure that you're watering them. If you can water early in the morning or late in the evening when it's cooler, that's that's ideal. Okay. Try to keep the water off of the foliage and just uh, on the roots because uh, you know, wet foliage encourages plant diseases, and roots is really what need the water.
0: Okay. A texter says this, Mary, I have both spring and summer blooming spirea. The bushes are about three feet by two feet. I trimmed and shaped them in the fall, but now they look pretty bad. Not many leaves or growth. Is there anything I can do with them now? And how should I take care of them in the future?
1: Well, spirea bloom in the springtime. So you, if you've got flowers, bloom, buds on them, you want to prune right after they're done flowering. If you can't see any flower buds on it, you can go ahead and prune it right now. But the best time to prune is just when it's finished flowering in the spring.
0: Okay. Let's go to the phones, Mary. Six five there's a line open. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> I take that back. <laughs> six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Linda is calling from Columbia Heights, I believe. Linda, you're on CCO with Mary.
1: Hi, good morning. I love your show. I listen Hi. to it every Saturday. Thank you. Um, I am wondering how can I keep the neighborhood cats from using my vegetable and flower beds as litter boxes. Mm. Well, that's really tough. the 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 best thing is exclusion, uh, some type of offense. Um, you might be able to put some other deterrent, like a dog, if you can uh, <laughs> can uh, stake a dog out there, something like that. Uh, but otherwise, it's really exclusion. You, you know, the deterrents we use for birds are sound machines, uh, sometimes waving uh, the metallic. Uh ribbons or uh, uh mylar what the mylar balloons are made out of that flashing material is sometimes uh a deterrent for uh, for birds but with cats it's very it, it's much more difficult problem they like the habitat that's there so exclusion uh, maybe talking to your neighbors i i those are um it's a tough uh, yeah it is tough question
0: it's kind of like deer the only way you're going to stop them is fence Yes, in An- most
1: animals are the most frustrating thing I think we deal with yeah. uh, in gardening.
0: Sure. Thanks, Linda. Good luck with that. Ken is calling from Apple Valley, I believe. Ken, you're on CCO. Good morning. Hi. See, I have um, just wondering what causes um, thin areas in my lawn. My lawn is real nice and thick, no weeds, but I have thin areas, and those thin areas are more prone to weeds and dandelions, and I'm just... Not quite sure what causes those
1: thin areas. That's a good question. So I would say if it it could be that there is a soil compaction or something underneath the soil, there you might do some raking and see if you can find. Uh, Roots from a tree that used to be, there are some other type of obstruction that's in that area. Sometimes ants will actually uh, do enough damage that you can see thinning and uh, reduction of grasses. But I would try to do some inspection and see if you can um, see any physical reason for that. Otherwise, you could always do a soil test. That's a good thing to look at uh, for what's going on underground um, in your area. And then reseeding, you can do some spot reseeding as well. 651-989-9226.
0: 651-989-9226. I want to mention to our listeners, Mary, that our proud sponsor, Buy the Yard, that family-run business down in Jordan, Minnesota, is the sponsor of this show every week. Buy the Yard, best patio furniture your money can buy. We'll talk about that as we move through the morning. A Text, or a text number, by the way, 81807. Here's one, Mary. What's the name of the fungus that gets on tomato plants? I remember mixing two gallons of water and a certain amount of canola oil with the water. When do you spray the plants and what is that fungus?
1: (laughs) Well, there are a number of uh, fungal diseases that get on our tomatoes, early blight, late blight, septoria leaf spot. Those are the The main three that come in, they are not usually around this early. It's Mm. usually later, but it's all preventative. So the fungicides go on prior to any infection to make a preventative layer on the the leaves. Uh, Keeping water off the foliage, uh, keeping uh, moisture from splashing up on the uh, foliage. A mulch is a good idea around tomatoes. Uh, that canola water uh, spray is a home remedy. I'm not sure there's any uh, basis to that working. I haven't heard of that remedy myself. Um, I try not to use fungicides on my uh, tomatoes, but use cultural techniques to uh, reduce the chances of diseases. Uh, resistant varieties, another good way to uh, minimize disease there.
0: Okay. Back to the phones we go, Mary. Ed is calling from Worthington, I believe. Ed, you're on CCO with um, uh, Mary. Good morning, Ed. Hello, Ed.
1: Ed's gone back to Ed's, the gardening. he's gone. I think he
0: has, <laughs> yes. Sir, he's turned on the air conditioner. Uh, how about Ken in Blaine? Ken, you're on CCO. Uh, good morning.
1: Uh, I have a TGM uh, rhododendron that I'd like to trim back a little bit. Um, can I still do that? Yes, uh, PGMs are those early flowering purple ones. They were beautiful this year. Um, and right, when the, once the flowers have faded and are gone, it's a great time to do uh, the pruning on rhododendron. So yes, you can do that now.
0: Texter says, uh, Mary, my tulips are done blooming. What should I do with them next? Cut the leaves?
1: No, we like to leave the foliage till it dies and turns brown on tulips, unless you never want to see it flower again. Um, The flowers come next year from uh, photosynthesis and storing food that the leaves are going to do between now and when they die. So leave that foliage. Uh, Hopefully there's some other plants coming up around them and you won't notice them as they're getting brown.
0: Very good, Mary. Hang on. We'll take a quick break here. We have more show to come here on our Smart Garden Show on CCO. Folks, hang on the line. Those are there and we'll get uh, some text messages answered as well. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCU. If you're just joining us, Mary Meyer is with us from the University of Minnesota Extension. You know what we haven't done yet is give her the website. Oh, the website. Oh, turn on your mic. The and website. We yes, the website. <laughs> you don't have to yell then.
1: <laughs> extension.umn.edu and then click on garden. Uh, We have got a lot of information up there. In the next few weeks, we're going to be revealing a new website with an extension. But uh, the information is there to help you identify plants, identify insects, uh, any type of seasonal problem you've got in your garden.
0: It really is. I say it every week, a tremendous resource. And what's going on at the Arboretum? Talk about another resource. The Arboretum,
1: it looks glorious. The, The lilacs, are just super now this year. The apples were beautiful. My yes. daughter said to me yesterday... Mom, I want you to work on crab apples. They don't last long enough. Do that,
0: will you? <laughs>
1: get 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 going on that, can't you? But they're they're short, but crab apples were beautiful this year. But the lilacs, there's still some beautiful lilacs to see. The end of the tulips now, and then the origami exhibit. We have forty sculptures in twenty-five different displays of origami. Most people know that as paper folding. But the arboretum has huge life-size uh, sculptures that were developed originally as paper sculptures, no and now these folded giant metal sculptures. A lot of animals: uh, a beautiful bronze squirrel, um, a buffalo, uh, lots of birds. So it's a beautiful, mm. very interesting display throughout the garden. So that'll be there this summer for uh, visitors.
0: And you think about it, here; it is this holiday, and certainly summer coming up. Uh, that's a great place to bring family and friends who are yes, visiting. Yes,
1: take people from out of town, uh, go different times, different seasons. The tulips are just ending now, but then the annuals will come in. This is the 60th anniversary of the Arbor. No kidding. 60 wow. years, yes, celebrated this year. How do we find so it? The, uh, it's west of... Uh, Highway 41 and 5, just on Route That's five, the closest intersection. South you'll be able to see the yes. see the signage there for yes. sure. Yes, and the tulips in the entryway are just uh, beautiful. Outstanding. Very nice.
0: All right. Back to the phones, Mary. Carol is calling from Big Lake, I believe, with a question. Go ahead, Carol.
1: Yes, Mary. Um, I bought a magnolia tree last year, and it, it did really well you know of course it didn't by the time i planted it it didn't flower and um it had nice leaves and now this year it didn't leaf and the the leaves or it didn't flower and the leaves are small and i'm wondering what i'm doing wrong well, you just planted it last year, so hopefully yeah. this year it will still uh the leaves will get bigger and come out further uh, Magnolia is a beautiful uh plant for us um to grow there are a lot of uh, it was they were very nice this year, some of the best flowers i've seen uh in Minnesota there is one insect, the magnolia scale that gets uh magnolia gets and um That is, and uh, along the stems, you'll see that it's uh, a raised, bumpy look to it, and the treatment is in the fall. But your plant is so new, I doubt if it has a scale. No nursery would be selling a plant infected with scale. So I would just make sure it's well watered at this point because it's still new and the roots are establishing.
0: Okay, very good. Thanks, Carol. Chris is calling from Oakdale with a question. Chris, you're on with Mary.
1: Okay, yeah. I did a soil test so that I could make sure my blueberry patch had the right pH, and it came in very acidic at 3.4. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And you're in Minnesota, right? I am. <laughs> the recommendation is um, a 15020 um, fertilizer, and the closest I could find was a 15015, but it's, it's meant to, like, treat lawns in the south and for, to treat centipedes, and I'm just wondering, is that going to be okay in a blueberry patch? Uh, That fertilizer analysis will be okay, but the fact that you mentioned the word centipede treatment uh, leads me to believe there may be a pesticide in addition to the fertilizer in that um, product. So you don't need any insecticide in that product. Uh, Centipedes are not a problem that we treat for here in Minnesota, but that analysis will be fine for your blueberry patch from a fertilizer standpoint.
0: Okay, good. There you go. 651-989-9226. 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. As usual, we have a bunch of those. Uh, let's see. Here's a text. Grass seed earlier, Mary. What's the best grass seed texture? says for clay-like soil. Sunny, shady, mixed areas. Which seeds are the best?
1: Well, we still recommend in Minnesota a, a combination um, for lawn seeding, uh, Um, and improved Kentucky bluegrass, uh, some perennial ryegrass, and fine fescue. My personal favorite is a blend of the fine fescues, multiple different types like that. But most sunny lawn mixtures sold in garden centers in Minnesota will have those three kinds of grasses. They will sort themselves out in the sunny and shady areas so that you have a complement of different kinds uh, for uh, diversity in your lawn. So if you have full sun and clear soil, I would recommend the mixture Kentucky bluegrass, perennial rye, and fine fescues.
0: Okay. Hang on, Mary. We'll uh, take our usual bottom-of-the-hour break. We have another half hour of the show to go. So if you did not uh, get your question answered uh, this one, you'll have another chance. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show brought to us by our good friends at Buy the Yard Patio Furniture. We appreciate that uh, sponsorship every week on this fun show. It's called Smart Garden. Mary Meyer is back with us. There's been a long time. Folks who hadn't uh, heard you on the radio for quite some time Wondered where did Mary where go? She? But yes. explain again where you were.
1: Right. I was on a study leave working on a research project with prairie drop seed uh, germination. Prairie drop seed is a wonderful native grass. Mm. Many people probably grow it in their gardens. It's a nice bunch grass, flowers in um, August and September. And I was looking at germination, germinating the seed uh, in hopes of finding a new uh, method to get more seed
0: All right. Great. Well, it's good to have you back, Mary. Thank you. Good to be here. And uh, we have uh, folks on the line and texters as well. Let's get to us. Cindy is calling from Andover, I believe. Cindy, you're on CCO. Good morning.
1: Thank you so much. I love listening to you. Thank you. Um, We got uh, planted tulips last fall, and you were talking about tulips. And um, what should I put in between the tulips when they're gone? Oh, and by the way, one of the tulips came up with three blooms. With three blooms. Yeah, yeah, it's good for you. That shows <laughs> that shows how healthy the bulbs are. Those uh, folks in the Netherlands growing those bulbs, that is a real science. They do a, such a wonderful job. Depending on the kind of tulip you planted, you may have had the best blooms the first year. Some of the Darwin and Species tulips will bloom as perennials for many uh, years, but but some of the hybrids are really short-lived. What can you plant in between the tulips? Well, actually, grasses are a wonderful thing to plant in between the tulips, like prairie dropseed that I just mentioned, uh, little blue stem. Um, many times, though, you've got your tulips so tight together, there might not be very much room in there. Uh, some of the annuals, uh, begonias, uh, impatience can work as well. The thing you have to remember is tulips don't like water in the summer. Now, of course, they're totally dormant in the summer. They are dyed back. They we don't even we forget they're there. But they're used to a dry summer and a moist winter. So grasses are good in that. Once they're established, they don't require much water. But um, so you can plant annuals or perennials, but minimal water for tulips in the summer.
0: Aha! Uh-huh. All right, let's go to Worthington. I think Ed is there. Ed, you're on with Mary. Yep. My question is on winter onions. Is this such a thing? I was told you could plant a, a dry bulb in late summer, and then winter over.
1: Yeah, this this sounds like a good idea for Texas. Oh. you know, I, um, I don't. We don't have a lot of luck with winter crops in Minnesota. Some some will work for us, but boy, not very many. Garlic we plant in the fall. But not so much with the onions. Um, you can try this. You can certainly try it. Now, where are you going to find sets or things like that in the fall? That's, that's kind of a challenge as well. But our climate, most most successful plants are early in the spring grown uh, that way. So I don't, I don't know of anyone doing that. We've got a lot of great listeners out there. Someone might be doing this with a, a crop of winter onions. It's true for garlic, but not for onions. Not for
0: onions here. Yeah. Texter wants to know, can I transplant peonies now?
1: This is probably the worst time to try to transplant peonies. They're, they're just getting their buds on. Some of the early ones are starting to bloom at the Arboretum. Oh, the peony walk will be beautiful in another week at the Arboretum. So it's just a gorgeous uh, thing, and peonies like our cold weather uh, conditions. But the fall is when they are kind of dormant, and that's when to transplant them. If you must do it now, you can, uh, but they you will sacrifice all the blooms for this year and maybe for next year. Be very careful to plant them at the same depth they were growing before.
0: As you recall, Mary, we had a caller earlier in the show about a cat using someone's yard, a neighborhood cat. Uh, as uh, a, a sandbox, right. yeah. uh, Verdella is on the line with maybe a cat remedy. Uh, be gentle now, Verdella. What's your What's your remedy, yes. please?
1: Um, I have a remedy. I bought a Bonide product from Walmart. It's called Go Away. It's rabbit, dog, and cat repellent. Ah. It really works, but it's peppery. So be careful so you don't breathe
0: it in. Oh, that's a good point. Well, there there again, uh, I don't know who Verdell is, but Bonite is a sponsor, too, of this show. And uh, it's a great product.
1: That's the capsicum, uh, the the pepper product for animals. It can, they can react the same way we do. And if they get it on their paws, their hands, and so on, and then they eat it. I've seen squirrels get it on their face, and they just kind of go crazy <laughs> rubbing their face because where did this come from? Of course, they're, yeah, so uh, capsicum, if you probably have to reapply it. But but thanks for that um, that testimonial of what's worked yes, for you. Yes,
0: good deal. Thanks, Verdella. Uh, tester said, the uh, rhubarb is going to seed. I've never had that happen. Do I just cut off the seeded part or what?
1: Yes, cut off the seeded part. Uh, this is a sign that your rhubarb is robust, good and healthy, but you don't need the energy to go to the seeds. You want it to go into more uh, stalks and foliage. So your plant is probably at its peak in growth and a good time for picking and um, and using it.
0: Very good. Yeah. Back to the phones. Jean is calling from Woodbury. Jean, you're on CCO with Mary.
1: Thanks a lot for taking my call. Mm -hmm. I have a question about the rosebud tree. We have one that was over five years old, and we have a son in southern Minnesota whose rosebud tree was over 10 years old. Both of them died this year, and we were wondering why. Yes, I, I think you're referring to the redbud tree. The redbud, Redbud yes. tree, yes. yes. This is a native small tree. It has those uh, purple, magenta f- flowers that come out before the foliage. This tree is uh, marginally hardy in Minnesota. We have a Minnesota strain that's uh, grown and sold, and that's the best one. But unfortunately, with the winter conditions that we had, uh, we are just now learning what plants could not tolerate the, the open and erratic winter temperatures that we had. So I'm, I'm sorry that yours are dead. They may sprout from the base, uh, and then you want to look for a Minnesota hardy redbud strain to replant that. They are a beautiful tree.
0: Mm, all right. Textor, by the way, the text number 81807, what can you tell me about the disease that is affecting impatiens? I believe it's downy mildew. How long does it live in the soil and does it come with the plants when I buy them?
1: Yeah. Uh, Yes, this is a devastating disease. It's been very, very difficult. Uh, the good news is is the breeders have now uh, sequenced the entire inpatient's genome. This is the good news. So we'll figure out how to control it. And there are resistant ones now coming into trials, but they are not on the market yet. So as a homeowner, if you've had this problem, the best thing is do not... Plant the typical old impatiens walleriana. New Guinea impatiens are resistant to this um, powdery mildew. The, that is a problem. It comes in on the plants usually. Um, it's short-lived in the actual soil where it's been, but it is very prevalent and can just really in 24, 48 hours take out an entire bed. So very wow. quick death. The best thing to do is not to plant the traditional impatiens. Uh, Put in begonias, put in New Guinea impatiens, put in some other plants, other types of plants.
0: Before we go back to the phones, let me grab another text here. Uh, Mary, I do not have a deck or balcony. I do have west-facing windows. Is it possible to grow uh, tiny fruit trees in my apartment successfully?
1: Uh, Tiny fruit trees in your apartment. I would go with a calamondin orange or a Meyer lemon. Those fruit trees uh, are the big evergreen trees you can grow successfully and get fruit indoors, but nothing that's a deciduous tree like cherries, you know, apples, anything like that. They need their dormancy. So, um that's a challenge, isn't it? Well, what can I you guess. grow in I know. with? A Limited fr- to get a fruit on? But I have an old Calamondon orange, 50-year-old orange, and I have some younger Meyer lemons. Uh, the larger garden centers are selling uh, the Meyer lemons. You can find those locally, and they're amazing at how they will fruit uh, indoors.
0: Can you actually eat the stuff?
1: Oh, yeah, All yes. Right. I, I, Yes, I made a Meyer lemon cake last week for no. the grass volunteers at the Arboretum. Yes, I have some in my refrigerator. Now I harvested six. Outstanding. That's good. So, yes, you, you, that's your best bet, really. That's the bad oranges, bad. you probably didn't think of that, but that's the best bet.
0: Good deal. All right, we need to take a quick break. We have folks on the line. Hang on. We'll be back in a moment with more calls, more text messages on our Smart Garden show on this hot holiday weekend. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, brought to us by By the Yard Patio Furniture. Mary Meyer is back with us. And, Mary, we have callers and we have texters to help out here. Let's see how many folks we can uh, we can help out here. Who has been with? Jean is calling from Egan, I believe. Go ahead, Jean. Good morning. morning.
1: I always get going a little too late in the spring with the transplanting that I vowed to do the year before. I'm just wondering if I can divide and or transplant daylilies and irises all summer or in any other plants like coral bells. I wanted to transplant a couple of those. I heard you say no to the pennies. That's another one I wanted to do, but how? what are the rules for dividing other plants during the summertime? Well, the rules usually are you um, divide them far away from their flowering time. So because peonies flower early in the spring, we divide them in the fall. Iris, they go kind of dormant in late July and early August, and that's an ideal time to divide them. The two exceptions to this, I think, are daylilies and hosta. Daylilies and hosta have a bigger root system, a fleshier root system, and they are a tough plant. So I have successfully divided those all summer long. So the, the daylilies you can certainly do right now. Coral bells are a little bit uh, tougher. They're a little bit more um, difficult. I've had a lot of those die for me. If your plants are growing well and robust, you could do those now this spring as long as you uh, keep them well watered.
0: All right. Very good, Jean. Thanks for the call. Uh, Let's see who's next. Linda's calling from Bloomington. Uh, Hi, Linda.
1: Hi there. Uh, Good morning. Uh, My question is about yews, well-established old plants that the rabbits have decided to gnaw on the bark. I know that the needles are toxic, but is there anything to treat the bark so that we don't have all the big dieback and the yew plants? No, other than excluding the rabbits from that area or getting rid of the rabbits, that's your only uh, choice. Yews are pretty tough, and if they're well-established, they've got a big root system, they can often sprout from uh, dormant buds along the stem. So I would give them quite a bit of time. I'd wait another couple of weeks and see if they don't re-sprout, even from the base or different places, and start to grow. But yes, this the past couple of years have been just a very difficult for rabbits and rabbit
0: damage. It probably would take a lot of spray, too, if you wanted to spray that, uh, right. that stuff that we were talking That's about right. earlier.
1: You'd have to really get down into the plant yeah. and do a lot of spraying.
0: Yes. All right. Uh, let's see. There's. T- we have a bunch of text messages. I planted a new rhododendron last spring. It bloomed last spring. Looks healthy this spring, but did not bloom. Has no buds. I did no pruning. Any ideas why it did not bloom?
1: No. Uh, So no buds. I'm not sure if you mean no flower buds or no, um, hopefully it's still got green leaves on it. If it is a rhododendron and uh, has evergreen, it's still got the green leaves. Um, I would just make sure that it's well watered and, um, and, and growing okay. You might see new growth on it, and that's an indication that the plant is healthy and well. Uh, If there are no buds at all and no leaves on it, then I would look at the warranty that uh, from, if if it's still a plant under warranty and talk to where you purchased it.
0: On the phones, Joyce in Stillwater is calling in. Joyce, what's your question for Mary? Yes. Good morning, Mary. Excuse me. I have a new
1: fence in my pasture. I have llamas in there. And my
0: question is, Could I use Roundup along the two bottom, uh, the grasses have grown up, old grass and new grass. Could I use Roundup to kill those grasses without affecting my llamas? Hmm.
1: Yeah, that's a great uh, question, Joyce. I, I don't think Roundup is any more toxic to llamas than it is to us. So it has a low mammalian toxicity Uh, However, the main thing you want to do is read the label and follow the directions according to the label. I don't know what the Roundup label says about animals and treatment uh, near animals. Ideally, you could use that along the fence base and exclude the llamas for a certain amount of time, uh, pasture them somewhere else or keep them out of the area at least for like 48 hours. But the label is going to tell you the best directions.
0: That's a good point. Yeah, always read that label. Talking about critters, it looks like on the show today a little bit. How do you get rid of, Texter says, ant hills in a lawn? Well, I know what you guys have recommended before. I think it was a Julie, maybe you, Mary, that uh, boiling water.
1: Oh, yeah. I use, well, I use boiling water on my uh, brick walkway. Uh Boiling water will kill the grass as well. Okay. So, but it will kill the ants and it will kill the grass. So raking out the area that, you know, you want to get to where the queen is, destroy the queen, and then the ant colony goes away. They go to another location. Uh Uh-huh. Um, so if sometimes just raking can remove a lot of the ants and disturb them enough that the, that will uh, be uh, a, a control. Um, I was just talking to some friends about this. There is a new bait that I'm going to be trying. That is supposedly a sugar bait that goes back to—the ants carry back to the nest and actually kills the queen. Because uh-huh. all ants are built around this queen, and if you can get to the queen, you could the, the nest will then go away. We actually have quite a few anthills at the Arboretum in the grass collection. In the bunch grasses themselves seems to be a nice dry place for ants to start living. So uh, we other when we tear that up and try to find the queen of course we kill the grass that's there. So it's a, it's quite a problem. So I'd start by raking. Okay. The first start idea. with there. See yeah. what happens.
0: Mm-hmm. A texture says just about a blue moth and viburnum, what's the best pollinator and how far away can it be planted?
1: A blue muffin doesn't need a pollinator. That's a beautiful plant. I've planted uh, two or three of those. And, uh, yes, very nice native viburnum with the blue uh, berries on it, mostly blueberries in the fall. So no pollinators uh, needed. I
0: think I know what your answer is going to be to this question. Is it too late to apply crabgrass preventer?
1: Well, you know, I've been trying to look that up to actually <laughs> see such a weird year. For, it really has It been. really has been a weird year. But I think it's, it's probably already germinated in the Twin Cities. Now, northern Minnesota, it's it's just, you know, I, I hate to say, I don't know what's happening up on the shore of Duluth up there because it may not be germinating yet. Normally we think by May 20th it's up and, and growing uh, in the Twin Cities. So we're um, a few days beyond that. Uh, you could try it, but it's getting late. This is certainly going to be it when it's this hot.
0: I think you're right. Yep. Let's see. Texter says, we're cutting down a 48-inch uh, diameter ash tree. Wondering how close can we replant a new tree to that old base?
1: Well, what's going to limit it is where you can get to shovel in the ground because the, the big root structure that's there with a tree that large. So I would plant it as close as possible to uh, if you that's where you want it, but it's really limited by the big flare roots that are coming out there. But good for you. You're planting another tree, probably not an ash. We all need to be counting the ash in our properties and uh, acting accordingly, preventing treat, use preventative treatment or plant something else, other trees. Oaks, good point. Uh, Oaks, uh, American elm. I planted a Saint Croix American elm this spring in my own lawn. You did? That's oh. a resistant uh, uh, American elm. But white pine is a great tree. Uh, red oaks, our native uh, bur oaks. Lots of other good choices.
0: We are just about out of time, but I, I wanted to uh, to alert our friends and I, we mentioned earlier, Mary, about the arboretum for folks that that have never been there.
1: Oh, this is a, a what, real What are we going to see there?
0: You have about a minute.
1: You are going to see a lot of blooming plants. The end of the tulips, the lilacs are at their peak. Uh, the crab apples, some of the late crab apples are blooming. And you're going to see the origami exhibit there. This is the 60th anniversary of the Arboretum, 60 years ago. People with great foresight in the state of Minnesota realized this is a treasure we needed to have in Minnesota. You can find the best plants for your own garden at the Arboretum.
0: Fantastic. And again, uh, said, well, how do we get there? I know Highway 5 west.
1: West of the city go till just beyond the, the junction of Route 41, and you'll see the big sign, Minnesota Landscape Arboretum, just south on the south side of Route 5.
0: Excellent. And congratulations on the award. Mary. Oh, Jenny, well, deserved. thank you.
1: Thank you. Just My phenomenal. pleasure to be here.
0: Hope to see you again soon. Not, don't take so much time off from us. All right? I'll be back soon. All right, all right. Good. Thank you. Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.